podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. It is time for a bonus edition, a special edition, a breaking, uh, not going to be breaking news because it's been broken for a while, uh, of the 1012 Podcast. I am Philip Slavin, your host as always. Uh, look, we didn't break into anything when, when TCU and Gary Patterson parted or when Texas Tech and Matt Wells parted. Um, this is not to say that Oklahoma is a bigger deal than those schools, but I, I, I we didn't get to touch on this nearly enough on Monday's episode. Um, and if I can get my current guest on the show to talk about OU, then then we're going to take the time to stop and get him on and talk about Oklahoma. Of course, that is Keegan Renault of uh, through the. I always want to say through the looking glass, and that's not what it is. It's keyhole. Sorry, I had to like say the wrong thing before I can say the right thing. Sometimes, right? Uh, it is through the keyhole. Uh, a show I I went on, and of course, is the Patreon site and podcast that Keegan is running. Keegan, welcome back, man. Yeah, and I would say Peyton Guthrie as well. I just want to get that out there. He's taken this thing on with me as Brady's left, but it's been it's been good. I'm glad to hear your voice is better. I'm so I was actually expecting oh. it to be worse after Saturday than better. It, it it took a it was getting better. It took a slight dip on uh, on Sunday, uh, and now we're back to uh, closer to normal. I've had some some recovery time after uh, Saturday night. Uh, which we can talk about that a little bit here in a minute. But I obviously the story of the day uh, is Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma less than 24 hours after the Bedlam loss, heading off to USC, the school that, you know, just the history and everything about USC. How could he say no to something like that, that opportunity? Uh, so Lincoln is off to the Pac-12, and Oklahoma uh, is looking for its next head coach. Currently Bob Stoops filling in, which we can talk about that master stroke an absolute masterstroke and the OUPR machine and all of those things. But Keegan, let's, let's start with the, let's start with the turncoat Riley as all you fans are still quite Benedict Arnold for, for good reasons. Benedict Riley, Benedict Lincoln. I'm just going to say this cause I, someone's already said this to me and I didn't know what it was, but I think there's already, you know, when started with Josh Heupel, um, who I will say like, I can, I'm comfortable saying this, like Oklahoma totally reached out to him. I don't think that that's going to be the guy, but maybe that's a 
that's an extension of the olive branch of Josh. We're sorry. We're thinking about you. Um, we want, we, we want, we want to be able to sell you at some point. I think that's a, it's not a bad marketing tactic, but I, it started with him and they called him F U J H like F up Josh Heupel. Right. And then it yeah. was F U and then it was F U M S and now there's a T O B W and it's that bitch out West. Um, <laughs> <coughs> Nothing like a not safe for work podcast for a, a dropping as a special one. Keegan, Lincoln is gone. And look, let's, we'll get to the coaching search in a minute. Um, Lincoln press, you know, going on with Scott Van Pelt and his press conference. Oh, you know, I, this, this all happened within a, a 24 hour period starting late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Like, oh, okay, sure. Um, do you have a bridge to sell me as well? Or maybe the whole moon, because I, I am that gullible, um, says no one ever. We've had you on the show before. You and I have talked a lot about kind of stuff like this. Let's just be honest. Lincoln Riley is a, is a liar, um, as, as we can all tell. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for a little bit of truths here. Kind of kind of break down whether it's the, the 24 hours, 48 hours, or or full year based off of how this season has gone for Oklahoma that has led to uh, Bob Stoops heir apparent uh, heading off out West to take over uh, the, for the Trojans. I mean, I said this the other day, like there's Oklahoma's truth. There's Lincoln Riley's truth. And then the real story of what's happened is far in the middle. Um, anybody that believes either side that this thing came together quickly, doesn't understand how far along the sec move was. Right. Joe Castiglione's not blindsided by this. I think he's blindsided by the decision and the vitriol and the what it seems like <laughs> it's hard to ignore at this point that somebody was mad and then wanted to pour gasoline in Oklahoma's offices and burn it down. Um, I don't I think he's blindsided by that. I think he's blindsided by some of the you know things that are being said clearly across the bow at each other, Lincoln Riley, you know, mentioning commitment to winning, <laughs> not commitment to excellence, not commitment to integrity or academic and athletic success, commitment to winning. And as Philip knows, as conversations we've had over two to three years time off the record, uh, these people, if you deal with Oklahoma, they're, they tell you everything. You've just got to be able to figure out what's important and what's not. And it, it's very apparent that there was obviously fracture between what the football program wanted, what the athletic department wanted, and what the administration wanted. And, you know, I'll say this. I think there's a, you know, there's a narrative out there that Lincoln wasn't involved with the SEC talks. There's a narrative out there that Lincoln's scared of the SEC. And I would say, like, I – completely didn't that I don't think that's true at all like I I think Lincoln was scared to fail in the SEC I don't think he was scared of the SEC and I think that he didn't believe that Oklahoma was putting him in a position to win in the SEC and so those are two completely different mindsets but with the same result right Philip where uh playing not to lose instead of playing to win and I think we kind of saw that within the football program over the last three years. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I, those are two very different things. And look, you're right on the whole truth meet somewhere in the middle here. Like, 
props to the OUP R machine because this is now uh, three out of three uh, at the plate uh, of reaching base uh, when they have done something that uh, people should be mad at them for. And the blame being is it not? I'm cutting elsewhere. you off. Is it not amazing? Is it? Is it not the? It's, like, it is. I respect J- Josie. It. Look, if, if Josie is considered it. the best athletic director <laughs> for a reason, college sports <laughs> for a reason, and we can talk about the coaching hires, the moves that he makes, the PR alone should put him atop. We can forget it's, about some of the great it's hires. Unbelievable, he's made because OU has now magically. Had Texas take the blame for the move to the SEC, Oklahoma State take the blame for the end of Bedlam, and now Lincoln Riley take the blame as the a-hole, while poor little <laughs> poor little Oklahoma out here in nowhere, Norman, Oklahoma, in the middle of the country, just been just been blindsided by all these things. It's just oh, a poor poor OU, poor OU. If they could just, you know, if if y'all would just give them a little bit of a break, they they, they yeah yeah, poor OU, like mm-hmm. Yes, uh, sure. Again, uh, fell off the cart yesterday. Thank you for that. I mean, really here, like, I, I think the question I would have now is, you you mentioned like burning the house down as you're leaving. It's a very accurate description with everything Lincoln's taking with him. Um, basically, the demolition of, of OU's 2023 class at this point. And we don't even know how many, we've seen a few players already announced they're transferring. That's probably just the start of this. Um, I do think Bob Stoops and, and most of the a large portion of the staff who's been here a long time will band-aid a lot of that. But, I mean, how do you feel how, – how bad is it really? Because I know people are kind of like, ah, that's the end of times for Oklahoma. But, like, really, at this point, how, how sure. bad is Lincoln leaving it? I mean, I'll say this. I There's a lengthy list of demands that were made. Um, Oklahoma – had a lot of empty promises, verbal promises to Lincoln um, that has been boiling up for some time. And there's, it's, I'll just say this, heading into the Bedlam game, the demands were met outside of a, <laughs> outside of a couple of things. And it's hilarious to laugh about. Um, I've, I can touch on one and one for a thousand percent certainty. He hated compliance. And I'm going to tell a story on that. So obviously everybody knows about Red Bomar, Big Red Sports and Imports. Oklahoma's compliance department is not associated with the university by any means. And I don't know if, I think it's pretty unique across college athletics that that's the case, but don't quote me on that. So with that being said, they are by the book, right? And like it's so tight shipped that there was a day that it was a home game recruits were going through their visit pregame, all that fun stuff. Right. Well, it, I don't know if it's a rule now and I don't know the exact rule, but you know, like the tunnel where all the music and lights and like pumping music mm-hmm. through like the pipe mm-hmm. players up, blah, blah. That is not the lights and the flashing lights and the music's not supposed to be on while recruits are walking through. And a person that was leading that a group through with all of it on got a text right after it happened and was like, make sure you report that on Monday. And it's like, is that happening at LSU? Is that happening in Alabama? Is that happening at Georgia, Ohio State, USC? <laughs> it's not going to be happening at USC now. Um, and, but there's a, there, 
there is an appreciation I have for that though. And I think that you have for it too. Yes. Like because of the spot where Oklahoma state basketball is in. And I think that that, if there is a silver lining to this, and I want to give Oklahoma state people a lot of respect as Philip knows. And I said this yesterday and I truly, Philip knows this about me. I could not root for Lincoln Riley. I no, no there is, we've, I'm, we've not go over, I'm not going to go over everything, but I, it's, there it got to a point where I was like I don't really care if he wins or loses at this point because I'm looking at my content I'm looking at you know people are coming still reading all all this stuff and it's like you know I have a brand at this point that's I can kind of space and do some different directions and do some different things and it just it was you know a decision I had to make and kind of pull myself away from it um but like I said I mean I think everything was met outside of a couple things at the end. And if that tells me that everything was met outside of a couple things at the end, <laughs> I think Oklahoma's ready to move to the SEC. I think the resources are obviously there. I, and I can tell you, and Philip knows this again, that I could tell you when Lincoln's lying and I can tell you when Lincoln's telling the truth. I think Lincoln's telling the truth that it was only about <laughs> – one person involved at Oklahoma and one person involved at all. And that's Joe Castiglione. And again, he catches blame that it should not have gotten to that point. But I think on the flip side of that conversation, and I don't know if you want to get into this before getting into Bob, but on the flip side of that conversation, if you aren't putting everything into the Oklahoma job and you're not having the results that you should, should be having based on the resources that you already have right now i think there's a possibility where there's people thinking and going through their own audits and going through their own fact checking and going through their own investigation not investigations that's terrible that's not happening but going through their own processes to figure out what's going on how can we get better right and i said this and i truly believe this is the best way to explain it 2011 through 2014 was a tough time for Oklahoma football. Mm-hmm. My God, Philip, they mm-hmm. won 10 games three times and won eight games the last year. Real tough. I'm kidding. Um, well, but it, and, and and again, that's why part of why Bob stepped down was it things weren't going as smoothly. It wasn't working as well. That's why I always was, said like that was. There's a reason OSU went two and two against Oklahoma in that four year stretch. And had two other opportunities for wins that OU was able to eke out. It's been the only time that OU's really been "quote unquote" vulnerable, right? Over the last since Bob took over back in '99, arguably it's the only time they've really truly been like, okay, the program's not not won't lose a game. That's fine, but I mean, a period where they were vulnerable. That is the only time it's been since Bob took over, right? And with that being said, you don't ask for everything and give ultimatums before you beat Alabama in the sugar bowl. You do it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't, you can't say, well, I can't do it with all the things you've given me. I need more at a certain point. You kind of go, we're giving you everything and this is the best you can do with it. There's no guarantee that we should give you more that you're going to immediately increase what you can do with more. You may just be capping out on what you can do here. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, I think Lincoln probably may have given Oklahoma the nudge they needed. There are this as this is as mad as I've ever heard Oklahoma is. 
Oh, and I think so Philip. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, I just want to say this because I think it's true. At the end of the day, when we look at this five years from now, I think both parties will prove they're right. I think. I think to some extent, you know, you, the press conference. I listened to, to some of it on uh, on Monday, um, and it was as pro OU as it was. It was some passive aggressive left and right hooks thrown at Lincoln Riley. Um, passive aggressive in a pro Oklahoma, but some shade thrown without throwing shade. It was very impressive. Again, OU's PR machine is chef's kiss. Um, the 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 greatest Bob point Notch. of all of that, the to- greatest point of all of that is not only to call out Bob to come back and be the bowl coach while you work on getting things going because he knows been around the program. People all know him. The large amount of the staff that's still here are people that Bob brought in when he was there and hung around during Lincoln's time. But Bob's presser, I, I like it's it's almost like when you have a president that people don't care for in their time, and then you come back a decade later and you're like, man, he was pretty good, wasn't he? And you're like, eh, well, like Bob comes back and everyone's like, this is amazing. He's great. I can't believe him. We all love Bob. Bob is amazing. Like that press conference was just so good for OU, so amazing for OU, and everybody was just like talking about Bob. Like it was, how can you turn this situation into a positive for OU? Bring Bob back for the bowl game and have him give a little presser out here and say how he feels about Oklahoma and all the pro-Oklahoma things. And my gosh, that was a stroke of genius. I mean, an absolute stroke of genius. They OU won that press conference yesterday far more than anything Lincoln Riley's done since then, including going to talk to Scott Van Pelt, which didn't go like he'd hoped, and going to Colin Is Howell that not amazing? Ray. God, he's an idiot. God. Well, no, so he, got it, he got it right the next time because he went on Cowherd, and if anybody's going to help make Lincoln look good out in LA, oh, it's Colin Cowherd. He's just poking Baker. Jake Trotter has one job to do over the next 24 hours, and Philip knows who Jake Trotter is, former Big 12 reporter for ESPN, yep. uh, big Oklahoma homer, a Willing to say that, uh, and he's got to ask Baker the question. I get it. There's a lot of turmoil in Cleveland. I understand it, but if Oklahoma can get Baker on record talking o- Oklahoma over Lincoln Riley, like that's the final knife that's gonna until Caleb Williams makes his decision. If Caleb Williams chooses Oklahoma, Philip, he is going to be immortal in this state. He's going to be. He, he won't need the Heisman for the statue. Those no, build it. They're building. <laughs> Russell Westbrook didn't win a title, and they're going to build him a statue, right? Like that's just well, what happened. Yeah. That's yes. the, yeah. I get it. There's, there's, I get the comp. I get it. Yeah, and so there's a lot. Um, you know, to kind of wrap up everything that's kind of happened in the situation, I, I think that at the end of the day, if a couple coaches on staff that are OU lifers um, and been around, played for Oklahoma, did this, did that. A couple guys stick around and the next coach keeps them around. I, and with Joe Castiglione at the helm, I not con- I, like not concerned is not the right answer because there is a certain level of it. And there, I think there should be right now, considering that the way that schedule Oklahoma was on with, you know, Caleb playing two years, Malachi Nelson coming in, like they were on a very calculated, very no margin for error schedule, and they were okay living on that edge. And now that they're off it, you kind of got to see what the next coach, 
you know, has in store. And I think that you, you'll be able to tell early on, like, is Oklahoma going to be okay or not based on some of the hires he makes, whatever coaches come in, you know, we see his, it's a public university. So we'll actually get to see his deep contract details opposed to Lincoln's. Um, I think that whatever Brian Kelly is going to get at LSU, I don't know the exact number. I know 150 million over 10 years was thrown out. Well, um, they, uh, I think somebody actually pointed out earlier today. Um, you keep talking. I'll, let me, let me yeah. Anyways, I think that it's obvious that Oklahoma, once you see that LSU, whatever Brian Kelly gets, like that's going to be the area they're going to have to go to bring a guy in uh, more than likely. And when they do that, I think that'll tell us everything we need to know if Oklahoma is committed to winning, right? Isn't that the not committed to excellence and long-term found committed to winning? Hey, did you know the offensive line at Oklahoma has been ass cheeks for three years? Three? I mean, I know it hasn't been great this year. But granted, they're missing a starting center for some of it. Hey, did you know USC's offensive line has been bad for the last decade? How many offensive lines are actually good, Keegan? Like two? (laughs) No. Maybe three. Uh, Zero. uh, NFL college, nobody. Looks like the offer is a 10-year deal – just north of 100 million. So not 15 million a year, uh, but he, he's making some money at, at, at LSU. Okay, so let's talk about um, the next guy up. Basketball season is finally here, Big 12 fans. And for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have, so go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, any place. Get at your boys. I have I've thought about this a little bit. Um, and, and I've reached a point with I don't think at the top jobs, the the cream of the crop, blue blood schools. I don't think you can just bring in a guy to run the offense. I don't think you can repeat Lincoln. I don't think you can do a. I mean, Lincoln was, and I, I understand the comp. Cliff Kingsbury. I'm great at quarterbacks. I'm great at running the offense. I'm great at recruit. Well, Lincoln's good at recruiting. Cliff hated recruiting, and I don't think that's what OU needs now. Like I think you have to get a CEO. I think at the top jobs in the country, there's so much involved in recruiting. There's so much involved in staff management. There's so many. There's so many boosters. There's so many things going on at the top jobs that you almost have to have a CEO type. You can't have someone who just, I'm going to, I'm going to worry about the defense. Oh, I'm going to coach the team, but I'm going to worry about the, no, you don't worry about the defense. You don't worry about the offense. Your coaches do that. You manage everything. And I think that's kind of what OU needs to go in over a, we've got the next hot shot up and coming offensive coordinator who's going to run the offense for us. So with that said, like looking at the names, I, I get this weird feeling when I say they're going to keep it in-house. I, th- I think the better term is in the family. People who have connections to Oklahoma, who have coached there before one way or another, as opposed to someone who 
just out of left field. I, I don't I don't see an out of the left field hire. I see someone who is going to come in, understands Oklahoma, Josie knows, has a relationship with, has a relationship with a lot of the coaches that are here that they can retain. And that leads me to two different names. One we've heard quite a bit. Both we've heard mentioned. One of them, of course, Brent Venables, former Oklahoma defensive coordinator, currently defensive coordinator at Clemson, who makes bukus of money, and I believe his son is on the team there. And current South Carolina head coach, um, Shane Beamer. Those feel like the two names that I would put money on as opposed to the field right now. I'm curious, obviously, OU is very good about being tight-lipped about stuff, but I mean, what are your thoughts on what is the right kind of guy to take this position? Who do you think might fit that best? Brent Venables, this, that he's going to be the guy. I have said this from the beginning. He was always going to get the first call regardless if he takes it or not. Uh, I believe, and I'm, don't quote me on this, but all signs point to him being kind of the guy. If Bob was ever going to leave, like that was going to be the guy Josie called. Because Brent didn't want to leave Oklahoma. And I think that's a very important factor in this, that he was even – I don't think he was mad Mike was coming back. I think Willie Martinez, which again has turned out – I think there's been some comments on that that he obviously didn't turn out great. But um, I, I think – I don't think Brent wanted to leave. And I think the money was so insurmountable at Clemson that adding in some other factors, like he left. But it wasn't like Hypel. Hypel left and it was done. I mean, over with. Like that was the last straw, I guess, for him. But I I guess it felt like Hypel was falling on the sword, which again, Oklahoma's PR machine is really good. Uh, I it's never, it's never OU's fault. It's, it's, it's under, it's undefeated. Like it, they've never, they've never lost. No. Um, and they, uh, they are never the common denominator. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I think Brent, when you add in that Thibodeau played for him, Odom played for him. DeMarco was around for him. Uh, trying to kill Gundy's been around with them. And I mean, those are some very important pillars to where you, you want your success. You'd have to retain an offensive line coach. I think if Venables comes, I do think Beedbo would stay. And I honestly, I know it was reported, but like Beedbo doesn't want to leave either. I just don't know if he, he knows he has a job. So um, I think that that's a weird part of this process as well. And I know Gabe Eichert and some people from Oklahoma have tweeted about some of that stuff. So, so Venables would be a good hire because he's got one, he's been here. He's recruited to Oklahoma. He's recruited high-profile players to Oklahoma. Now he's connected in Atlanta, South Carolina, Georgia. I mean, Florida. He he can can't. He mean one of his his best player ever out at Clemson was from the state of Kansas and was a three-star guy in Isaiah Simmons. Um, he's recruited everywhere, and I know that's the Clemson brand, but obviously Oklahoma's runs deep as well. So Shane Beamer. Oh boy. Let me, let me just say, I, I think that's the guy I think ends up with the job, but go ahead. So a little bit of a backstory here and, and our listeners will hear this tonight. Um, I, I ran into Joe one night over the summer and we were talking about a ton of stuff. I brought up some stuff that I was up to. Um, we talked about NIL, like the world we're heading into now, like blah, blah. But the most time we spent, during that conversation was about Shane Beamer. And as you know, 
you've got to be able to read body tone, language, word, exact words from these guys up at Oklahoma. I've talked to Joe once before outside of that setting, and he, you could tell when he lit up about something, he lit up about something, and he just on and on and on and on about Shane Beamer and how well he's going to do at South Carolina. Uh, their win total was three and a half. Before people say they were 500, their win total was three and a half this year. Mm-hmm. They overachieved. They overachieved at South Carolina by astronomical measures. Um, and you add that factor in, and you add in that he was always asking questions at Oklahoma about, you know, what it takes to be a head coach here, the administrative part. Was always asking questions, was always around Joe. Um, you add in. And then the final piece here, um, Caleb Williams isn't at Oklahoma if Shane Beamer wasn't at Oklahoma. And I think every smart athletic director that knows the world of sports agents and the, how the NFL works, how the world of NIL is about to work, uh, keeping your highest paid employee <laughs> on your roster, employee, right, mm-hmm. um, on, your, on your roster – I think is very important. And I think that it's very important from multiple reasons. And I think it puts the head coach in a position that maybe he's hired quarterback stays and the beat rolls on. Right. And Mm -hmm. I mean, Phil, let me ask you this, like if, you know, what it looks like, Chris Murray's already made a statement. Basically he's going to be coming back. Uh, Adrian Rame's going to be around. Uh, Obviously the receiver room's going to have to get retold and do all that fun stuff. Defense, Defensively, you know, they hire the right guy, keep the right guys around, you know, they're probably going to stick around. And uh, you kind of paint that picture, right? And he, you had Caleb Williams to that picture, and it still looks pretty good for next year. Maybe not national championship contender, but winning a Big 12 title. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's possible. And again, winning is the cure-all for recruiting. If you're behind, if you're not, um, and I think – Phillip's going to go on a rant here in about a month's time or two months time about Mike Gundy and said, if you don't bank off this success this time, I'm going to drag you. Um, Because (laughs) again, after 2011, Oklahoma state just, it just, they didn't, they should have just completely sold for years. Um, And it looks like they're, it looks like they are. And I want to give Mike Gundy credit on that. They've got the, the best recruiting class they've ever had coming in. 23 is looking real good if they can keep Knowles away from Florida, which again, that should tell you how good of a coach Billy Napier is going to be that he wants to get Knowles out of Oklahoma state. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think oh, Beamer, pony up Cowboys pony, pony the up. Okay. At, I think Beamer from a relationship perspective, from understanding the position he's been given, right. This, this is another one of those, right. That I'm taking a risk on you kind of thing. Uh, joke is really young. I mean, cause he is an experience as a head coach and he didn't ever become to an, even an offensive coordinator at any point. Um, there's a lot of operational pieces of this that Shane is still inexperienced on. And I'm sure that gives a lot of people pause, but I, again, I think Shane's going to appreciate the job that he would have and be given at Oklahoma. He loves South Carolina. I just want to get this out clear mm-hmm. that if he doesn't go to OU, I don't know if he will ever at this point. And I think that that should leave enough there to kind of tell you where that situation's at. I mean, it's, it's hard to be a place that gives you your first job. We're talking about, you know, with Baylor, 
Aranda hasn't signed anything yet, but the rumors are all that he, he plans to stay there. And obviously USC has been filled and now LSU has been filled and maybe something else opens up for Aranda. But I mean, I, I, I do think coaches are getting to a point where the money is so good at so many places. Like if you're happy, you can have success and you like where you're at and things are going well. And a big thing that we, we don't talk enough about, there is a good alignment. Obviously there wasn't in Oklahoma between your president, school president, your board, your athletic director, and your head coach. If that alignment's there, you don't, you shouldn't leave that. That's hard to find. Um, be in, in a perfect perfect alignment because if you can get that that is that sets you up for success i think beamer makes a lot of sense I, i'm putting that him as my choice because i think you're right he either takes it now or or he doesn't the 2022 class for him at, at, at south carolina is ranked 21st i mean it's eighth in the sec but hey, guys, it's hey, hard to recruit it's hard, it was, it's, it's hard to recruit to south carolina that is a solid class. I think that I think you look at what he's doing there. I think you look at them over exceeding expectations on the field. I think that probably works out to be a pretty good hire. So, but that I mean, who knows? Maybe it is Venables. I have a I'm not sold on the Venables hire, but that's another story. Well, what I was also going to say too, like go look at how gutted their South Carolina recruiting classes were over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's pretty remarkable and. And people are hearing me sell Shane Beamer right now, like as a not even if whether he gets the Oklahoma job or not. Like I think the world of him as a coach and as a person, but I, you don't need me to do it. I could have not said anything I've said in the last 30 minutes and you hear him talk for a minute and you're good. It's, 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 it was from the first thing he ever said back to me and a funny story on this. So Oklahoma in 20, 2018, they had some big punt blocks at the early in the year. I think it gets Florida Atlantic and someone else. Uh, they had a couple big kickoff returns and punt returns in the first half of the season. And then that stopped as the year went on. And I had asked him like, why did you guys stop being aggressive? And like, do you plan on being more aggressive? And he was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, Oh, and that was him and I's kind of first, he followed me on Twitter after that day. So, which is pretty funny. Um, but he, he gets it. He's real. I can tell you that anything that comes out of Shane, every coach is going to have coach speak. Every coach is going to be calculated in the way they say things. But when you can tell it's some, genuine, some are just worse than, uh, some are, some are worse than others. <laughs> but so even with, even with Bob, like and nothing Bob said yesterday, he was like, that was genuine. Like Bob's mm-hmm. been, and Bob's been that way for a yes. long time. And Lincoln was it's Lincoln was never, it was always calculated blah, blah. Anyways. Um, I mean, I've already, if obviously people listen to this, I have a data company. If I've burned every bridge ever working with Lincoln Riley, I'm, I'm okay with that. I just want to put that out there. I'm, <laughs> I may not, the people that are around me with my company may not have been happy with me saying that, but I, uh, I'm good with that. I'm comfortable in that. Good to know. Um, okay. Let's wrap up on a couple of quick things with you. Here, Bedlam, Saturday, Oklahoma State getting uh, Gundy's third all-time win as the head coach at Oklahoma State. I mean, I was there. I'm biased uh, as an OSU fan. I try not to be. Um, What were your just kind of thoughts on the game on Saturday? I mean, I thought it was, again, it's fun when two good football teams play each other. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think Oklahoma fans were waiting, you know, all year to kind of see if the team was as good as what you thought they could be. But I think at the same time, too, those were just better football games and better football teams. Um, 
I think they played three good football teams in the year, even though Iowa State was seven and five. Um, we've talked ad nauseum about them. I mean, they're a coin flip in each game, literally almost in each game from being 11 and one, 10 and two, whatever it may be. So I think they played good teams. And like, I mean, I, you read my Friday posts. I mean, that game went about exactly as I expected it to. Oklahoma, like there was going to be three or four plays where Oklahoma's offensive line miscommunicates on who's coming where and where from and where you need to be to get work. Um, Spitzer Sanders had a couple – the, the Texas Tech stuff showed up uh, in Bedlam from that game. Um, but Oklahoma State's a good football team. And, like, I, I think it speaks to a lot about what – you know, Rob Glass specifically, I came on here, what was it, last week or two weeks ago, and I, you can't talk enough about the guy. Mm-hmm. You just can't. And how va- he's invaluable to what they are in Stillwater. I mean, he is the heartbeat of that program, and they've done a good job keeping him in Stillwater. Uh, and you got to give Mike Gundy a lot of credit. Uh, he stuck to his guns. He played his game. Uh, and that was enough on Saturday night. And I think, it again, it it's really cool – in Oklahoma State's a great story in college football, Iowa State, Kansas State, Baylor, of being able to squeeze every single ounce out of the resources and players that you have. Um, and I think that's great, and it should be celebrated. Uh, this is what That's what college football is about. It's not – don't get me wrong. Like, I understand. I've, I've said this from the get-go. I, if Lincoln and I were having a conversation right now, I, would, I get it. Your whole future is tied to Southern California. They're paying you a shit ton of money. You've got, again, I know it's, I don't know if this is usually an explicit podcast, but sorry about that. I, they're paying you a ton of money. Everything's tied there. I, I get it. I, I do, but you've got to be able of that money and those resources, you got to be able to squeeze every ounce of it as you can. Oklahoma's done it for 70 years. And if this is, you know, one of those signs that they're kind of getting back to what they were in the 2000s, not the 2010s in the 2000s, that was a different world of Oklahoma football. Um, and, you know, they get back to that, like, it'd be good. Uh, but at the, you know, Bedlam, at the end of the day, man, I, I thought it was a great football game. Uh, there was a lot of great plays, and there was a lot of good football players on the field. And the fact that Oklahoma State came out on the end of a game that could have gone either way in the game like that, that's going to really – that should give them some confidence about not just who they are, um, but what they could become. Um, like I said a second ago, this isn't – Okay, now go after every five star. Don't go ever. I mean, but no, you, no. you have some battles that you should feel confident in with Joey McGuire's at Texas Tech. You're going to be fighting like hell in DFW. Um, uh, God, Pittman at Arkansas. It's going to be like hell to win in Arkansas in some important battles here over the next couple of years. And I think that they should have some confidence to stick in them um, and maybe be able to go win some of those. And as Philip knows, I mean, Oklahoma State has gotten so much out of. I mean, their their recruiting classes and blue chip ratios and that are some of the worst in Power Five. And um, you know, you even if you get raised that level to a thirty mid thirty percent level, like you're going to reap the benefits of that. And if they can keep the cowboy culture, they can keep that way. I I think Bedlam's a more bigger picture conversation at this point. Obviously, it's going to be Oklahoma State plays a football game this week that should be celebrated as well. Um, but Saturday was all about the culture of Oklahoma state football, the culture of that fan base and what they want to be about. And they went out and executed a plan and, and won a football game in a way that I thought Superman was going to come through again. And I hate to give him that nickname, but I mean, I thought he was, 
it that run when he I have watched a lot of guys run the football. And I'm gonna give some credit to Ian Boyd here because he's not Kyler fast. No. Jalen was so skilled as a like a true running back type. That was if they would have Oklahoma would have won the game, that play would have been as in terms of in Stillwater moments, that would have been like Vince's pump fake. And he set up that safety to juke him out like 15 yards downfield, which is, I mean, the kid's football IQ is off the charts. And, um, but again, Philip, it was a, uh, I'm long winded here, but it was, it was such a fun game. And you saw me tweeting about it. Like that's, that's what that game should be. And I, I know it's going to take 15 to 20 years for it to come back. And I understand all the reasons why, um, and both parties probably get the reasons why, right? Yes. Um, oh, yeah, and, absolutely. And they understand the terms of the agreement. And, and I can't wait. I Hopefully when it's back, and it's back in Stillwater, and I was told Stillwater was in a way Saturday that it hasn't ever been. Um, oh, and Oh, man. <clears throat> it, was, um, it was crazy. It was loud. It was raucous. And that fourth quarter, uh, after, after they get the lead, Every defensive possession for Oklahoma State, that place was a just loud and deafening. You could not hear. You you saw OU with some false starts and some issues, but you're like, part of this is it's just you, no one could hear anything. And that fourth down you thought might end the game, except that OU still had three timeouts to burn to, you know, so on and so forth. Like, it was insane how loud it was in there. And I wasn't even sitting down low, and I'm just sitting here going, I, I, I don't. I can't imagine what it feels like on the field. Like I can't imagine that anyone can hear themselves think, let alone talk to each other down there as loud and crazy and packed. And that stadium stayed packed to the, until fans were thinning out onto the field to celebrate. I mean, that that's how crazy it was. So I always have, I've never been to a game in Stillwater where I've felt like the crowd was you know i've been up to the shoe i've been at some been some big stadiums like it never really truly felt like that but 2017 in the third quarter after baker's i think interception and that was different like that was and i think that's with every fan base right and i probably haven't been there in enough moments to truly have a great feel for boone pickens but it's it was cool man like and again that's that's what college football is about. Like, it's not about this, you know, you've heard Bob talk, you've heard Saban talk. I mean, even Lincoln talked yesterday about it, like the NIL factor and all this and that, you know, it's not as cool as the team and the, in the programs and college football in general. And it's a changing landscape. Um, and it's cool to see again, and these stories like Oklahoma state should be celebrated uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how they they should play they should win this week um, and then you're looking at a playoff game depending on some outcomes this weekend Philip where you know they get Georgia and I don't think Oklahoma State should be scared of them um, except for except for the offensive line uh, oh, man. Uh. but but if you get some results your way you get Michigan and Dallas and again I think Michigan's a, a great matchup for Oklahoma State. Got a, got a big, big game on Saturday. I am not looking ahead of that, but I, I would be lying if I said the prospect of Oklahoma State going to the playoff. As a fan of Oklahoma State, I can tell you right now, I, if they get there, I don't I don't care what happens. I do not care what happens in the playoff, just being there. And that that's, you know, we talked about like one of the reasons I want the playoff to expand is 
used to getting a New Year's Six game was like this massive thing your fan base was proud of forever. And now it's like, well, cool, whatever. Like, that's what the playoff, an expanded playoff becomes. Like, even those first round games, if you get your school in one, it's like making March Madness and make, it, it, getting there is such a big deal. And that's how it should be. That's how the playoff should be. The problem is it's 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 kind of been a big deal, but the problem is you only got like eight teams who can get in. So I, that's what the postseason should be. That's how you save the postseason in college football is is having more games that matter in the postseason that you can be excited about. Um, Keegan, it's been awesome. Thank you very much, man. Uh, do me a favor, plug all your stuff so that everybody can know uh, where to continue to get your, I'm serious, like fantastic work, buddy. Like absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's been a fun ride. Yeah, when you start piecing everything together that I've put on there, it's it's been it makes everything kind of make sense a little bit. That's patreon.com slash through the keyhole. We will be kind of no, I wouldn't say expanding is not the right word for it, but we'll we'll be supplying some new avenues. And Philip knows all about that is being able to provide people and our audience, you know, different kind of content in different places. Um, you've done it great with the Big 12 stuff. And that's why I love being able to come on here and talk with you. And um, so we'll be doing that. And we'd love to have you. Uh, we have a $5 tier that gets some film review stuff from me on Oklahoma, a $4 tier with podcast and this and that um, and writing content. And we'd love to have you. Um, and also on our podcast on Through the Keyhole, that's the public one every week. Um, so yeah, I uh, I definitely would love to have you guys. And I, I don't even, I, I hate plugging my Twitter, but it's at Keegan Renault, K-E-G-A-N-R-E-N-E-A-U. Look, I am in the Patreon and I love it. I enjoy it. I will read everything I can. Uh, you guys do a great job with the show. I, mean, I, I know Brady pulled a Lincoln and, and bolted from you guys, the dirty trader, but uh, everything's still awesome. And I, I appreciate you coming on every time. It's always a great time to talk with you and uh, look forward to doing it again soon, bud. Absolutely. Take care. Podcast Network.